The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. And welcome to another edition of Wildcat Insider, the final of the month of January 2024. I am Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, AJ Sean, our board today. The phone number is 785-537-1350. If you want to call into the show, the phone lines are open for all two hours. Special treat today as we have two pairs of K-State men's basketball tickets taken on the Oklahoma Sooners tomorrow night. We will give one pair away at the end of this first segment. And then we'll give the second pair away in hour number two after the first segment in hour number two. We will, of course, talk K-State women's basketball. Two wins last week. They really had to gut one out Saturday at home against BYU. A tough matchup down low. But the Cats managed to get it done by two points. And now they've won 14 straight, 20 victories, best start in program history, 9-0 in Big 12. And now they're on the road for two as they are now the number two team of the nation as they move two spots up in the AP poll. Some K-State baseball news. We'll take a look at the Big 12 in basketball, and we lead off with the K-State men's basketball team losing two on the road against who are maybe, I would say probably, the two best defenses in the Big 12. But Wyatt, welcome back. How was the road trip? How was being, what, four or five days away from Manhattan straight? Well, it was pretty tough, if I'm being honest about it. Uh, We left on Tuesday. Um, played Wednesday night late in Ames. Uh, we were to fly from Des Moines straight to Houston. That didn't happen because of fog. Uh, didn't get out of there until probably about 1230 or so on Thursday. And then uh, the, the reason they really did the way they did was because, if you think about it this way, Coach mentioned this at his press conference today, you play the late 8 o'clock game, in Ames, where afterwards you have to bus to Des Moines, and then you play the earliest game on Saturday at 11 a.m. in Houston. So it was a long week, and it was a long week on and off the floor. I know we're going to talk a lot about this, but um, certainly some some controversy, controversy too, with, with the Iowa State game. It was a tight, tense, tough game. The Houston game was really never much of a contest, to be honest with you. K-State fell behind 11 nothing and Houston's defense is, in particular, in that building, um, I'm just going to say elite. Coach hopped on it on air with us after the ball game and said it might have been the best defensive team he's he's seen uh, in his time as a coach at the Division One level. So that's that's pretty high praise because he's seen a lot of really good clubs over you know 20 plus years. So it was uh, <laughs> trying to say the least and and frustrating and all of those things. But that's that's life on the road. We'll start with the, with the uh, midweek game where K-State went up to Hilton Coliseum and lost to uh, Iowa State. Final score, 78-67, where K-State was down 12 at the end of the first half. And then K-State does make it a ball game in the second half. They tie the game multiple times but could never take the lead. I mean, ask any basketball coach out there, college, pro, high school, doesn't matter. Tying the game is one thing. Actually taking the lead is another level of momentum for sure. Um, boy, and why there's just so many things to even 
bring up about this Iowa State game from both just the way the game played out to what happened after the game, what happened during the game, the the referees, the foul calling. We'll, we'll get there. Um, but the first half, I mean, the reason K-State was down – I mean, to me, I, I didn't want to get too complicated with it, even though there was a lot that wasn't going right. Cam Carter, first of all, two fouls in the first 36 seconds or something like that, um, was a problem. No doubt. And K-State was a little off balance there for a while. You know, and I'll let you talk about it here, and I'll let you share your thoughts, but really it was pretty simple to me. I thought the dif- difference was three-point shooting. Iowa State was really hot in the first half. K-State wasn't. It was, I think, an above uh, – above, um, what's the right word? I mean, Iowa State had the, – the three-point shooting wasn't as solid as it was in the non-con. Right. Their conference three-point shooting was not great. And they hit seven in the game. And how many did they have in the first half? They had five. Five, five of 14. I mean, yeah. just making five was way better than a lot of their Big 12 games already. Yeah, I think there were a couple of two or three things that you'd want to describe and talk about when you look at the first half and 20 minutes in, you're down 41 to 29. I think you hit on a real key with the two bang, bang, quick fouls on Cam, and he sat for a long, long time. And I think K-State was really, for a little while, lost without him. He's one of their best players, you know, one of the leading scorers on the team, all of those kind of things. So you have that. You have the three-point shooting in the first half for Iowa State. And, and most of the time, you know, teams do shoot better from distance at home, and that was the case here. But it was much better first half than second half for a, a couple of different reasons. And then I would have to say, too, that, you know, it's it's <laughs> – Without Cam and then the three-point shooting, but K-State had trouble with the traps. And it took them a little bit of time and into the second half to where they handled that a lot better. I felt like in both games on the road trip that K-State was just out of sorts a little bit in the first half um, and looked really more different, more settled, set in, if you will, in the second half of both games. It's it's just kind of what it was. They did not play well at all in the first half in Ames. To their credit, they did battle back. I think you make an interesting point. I hadn't really thought that much about it. We have talked, you know, several times since that game that K-State did a really good job of of getting right back into the game with good offense, good defense, better play overall. Uh, cutting that 41 to 29 lead down. And as a matter of fact, as you said, they tied it five times, but had opportunities and never could take the lead. And a couple of those opportunities were really good ones. Now, I'm not picking on anyone, anybody, but I remember one where Tyler Perry is wide open in the corner just to my right. And I mean, you'd, you'd pay for that look most times. And I'm going to say, generally speaking, he'd probably hit six out of 10 of those, but it didn't go. And Iowa State finally had a little run. Then you have the you know the technical foul, and the next thing you know, it's a double-digit game, and and basically, you you play the game out, and and it's over. And Iowa State, you know, went to the foul line thirty-nine times. K-State twenty-three times. K-State's outscored at the free throw line by twelve in a game that ended up as a 
11-point Iowa State win. Yeah, for some reason, it, pretty clear reason with Iowa, the Iowa State game, with Cam Carter not being in, K-State gets off to these slow starts um, in first halves. And you know, with no Cam Carter, I think that really affects your defense. And what I've really enjoyed about K-State and their improvement in the defense after the first five or six games of non-conference play was them – being much quicker in defending the three-point line, which is when the ball is being swung around, guys are closing out a lot faster. They're playing faster as a team. There wasn't a whole lot of that. You saw a few too many open shooters sure. for Iowa State, and they were knocking those shots down. And Momchilo, uh, Am I saying that right, Momchilovich? Momchilovich. I mean, he was hitting some pretty big shots if he, he was. was left open. And, you know, he had some tougher shots, too. He was 5 out of 10, I think 3 out of 6 from 3. But, you know, he's he's – one of those guys that can do that, you know, head and shoulder fake and little step back and and not leave it short more times than not. He's kind of, in his own way, perfected that shot for him, uh, whether he's at 12 feet or at 19 feet, you know, to be honest about it. He, he's a nice-looking young player. They're, they're probably quite fortunate to have him. He's going to be a good one. And then uh, Taman Lipsy ends up playing, which he did not play against – TCU, right? He was out with that shoulder injury, yep. and he is their best player. Um, if you look at his stat line, a lot of his stats leads the team in, in multiple categories from what points to assists to steals. I mean, he can really do it all. How would you feel like K-State did against him? Because he did have a, an 8.6 assist performance, but he also turned it over five times. Yeah, and, and he was just 2 out of 10. I think generally speaking – they did a decent job on him. I think the guy that probably had the real game that that hurt was Keyshawn Gilbert, and you know he played nearly thirty five minutes, had fifteen points, and how about this thirteen rebounds for basically an off guard. That's that's an extraordinary thing to be honest. Uh, they had other guys play well, and, and when you look at that's the great thing about basketball in a lot of ways. You you. You can say things, and if you look at the box score, it doesn't always make sense. One of the guys that I thought gave them a, a boatload of energy uh, was Robert Jones. That's an obvious statement. But the other guy was Hassan Ward. Ward just kept, you know, tap a ball here, keep it alive, give them second chance. And at the end of the day, their rebounding was really a big factor too. I mean, K-State has kind of sunk into a – a situation here in the last probably four games where they have not rebounded it at the same level as they did early in the conference race. I mean, they're out-rebounded in this game 38-25, to and 13 of those 38 rebounds for Iowa State uh, were on the offensive end, and that leads to, to 13 second-chance points. So lots of things to, to point to in this one. And, hey, we haven't even talked about the, you know, the, the controversy of uh, – you know what happened, you know behind the bench or what didn't happen, depending on your view of that. We'll, we'll get to that here in just a second. I did want to share some notes here because there were a number of things this past week, and I mean, if you really wanted to, you can maybe look at the, 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 the two weeks prior, like or, I, two games prior rather, with Baylor and Oklahoma State of some of these kind of numbers that have kind of ran away from K State in the last few games. I mean, turnovers. K State is averaging, I think, in the last four games, over 17 turnovers a game. Um, K-State right now is uh, dead last when it comes to power six teams of most turnovers. Mm -hmm. 
And also where K-State is not doing too well right now is giving up offensive rebounds. And K-State was out-rebounded offensively in the last two games, 28-14. And then you mentioned the fouling, the free throws. Too many free throws for opposing teams. In just the last two games combined, Iowa State and Houston took 73 free throws. K-State took 35. Wyatt, let's pause because I knew we, we could talk a lot about just this <laughs> Iowa State game. We'll get to the controversy after the break. Before we take our break, though, K-State hoops in action tomorrow at home against a top 25 opponent in the Oklahoma Sooners. Guys, this is the last time Oklahoma is coming to Manhattan for basketball for a long time. Just so happens it's going to be, of course, in front of a packed octagon of doom, student section full. We want to have everybody that can be in attendance to be there and pack Bramlage with purple as it's going to be the last in a long time the Sooners visit the Little Apple. So... I'm giving away two tickets right now to K-State Hoops hosting Oklahoma tomorrow at 7 o'clock from Bramlage Coliseum. If you want to go and you can for sure pick up two tickets here at the radio station tomorrow between 8 and 5, now is the time to call 785-537-1350. Again, 785-537-1350. I'm taking caller number 5 is going to Bramlage tomorrow night for K-State against Oklahoma. Let's take a break. More Wildcat Insider is next. It's hour one, Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner, voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, A.J. Shaw. Congratulations to Tim from Riley. It's been a while since we've had a Riley winner. He got himself a couple of tickies to uh, K-State against Oklahoma tomorrow night at 7. We have another pair to give away, so stick around. About an hour from now, a little less than an hour from now, is when we'll give away that next pair. So it'll be, uh, to be more specific, at the end of the first segment uh, in hour number two, give you some uh, some business Lingo there. Did you really just say tickies? I, are you? Are you? You're not are the you, first to. <laughs> are, are you also one of the ones that say now merch instead of merchandise, all, like all the cool kids? Uh, yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. Well, I am. It's cool, our generation. Right? That's what we do. We just shorten I words. I see. AJ, are you Gen Z technically? Yeah, technically speaking, okay. you're so. Well, I think I'm actually towards the tail end of millennials. I was oh. born in 1990. Okay, but you know. You're an older generation, so of course it's your job to get after the younger ones. I get no, it. No, no, no. I just, I just was asking. I'm not getting after you in any way. I, Trust me, we'll be doing the same thing when we're Wyatt's age. I get tickies from um, a, a podcast I listen to, and okay. I just, just thought it was kind of a funny word, and they make it sound funny, so I tried it, and maybe <laughs> I can't put it over as, as well as they can. But um, hey, you got to give it a shot if you like it. Well, you're not the first person to uh, say that. Like, what the hell are you saying? Why? Tickets, man. Tickets. Hey, I'm old-fashioned. I admit it. By the way, K-State women had themselves a pretty solid uh, out. Uh, I haven't even actually looked at the uh, at the attendance. 8,100. All right. For the BYU game. That's not too bad. When we came back Saturday, I'm driving from the airport back to the house, and I drove by pretty much on purpose, just Kimball driving by and was listening to the game and when I'm driving by, I'm going, man, there's a lot of cars. Man, there's man, that's mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of cars there. And then you get to the east side, uh, and, and and there were plenty of cars over there that that were like parked in front of the north part of the indoor. I mean, it was a great crowd. Well, sounded like the, the KU game a couple of weeks ago. Um, I got there early uh-huh. uh, to make sure I didn't get wrapped up in traffic because I figured it'd be a pretty pretty good attendance. It was better than actually I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be over ten thousand. It was just a little under that, a ninety six hundred plus. 
Um, but like a buddy texted me and it was like 40 minutes prior to tip off. He's like, what the heck? Uh, traffic's a nightmare right now. It's like, <laughs> that's exactly what I wanted to know. No doubt. I mean, there was a line of students that wanted to get in. I was like, and I've, I've said this many times. Like I just, I have the biggest smile on my face seeing this success for Mitty and this team, just because I remember very well how fun it was 20 years ago Sure, when, you know, Nicole Oldie and Kendra Wecker and Megan Mahoney and those, and you know, that team that was really fun to watch and they were, they were selling tickets. Yes, they were. It, it was really pretty amazing. I know this has probably been the best, you know, attended stretch that K State has had since that time. Yeah, and you can understand why. And you mentioned some of the numbers: fourteen straight wins, and already at twenty for the year, and haven't lost a conference game, and all of those kind of things. It's it's good entertainment, and and good entertainment for the dollar, right? I mean, the value is you you can't do much better going to see Big 12 women's basketball for that kind of admission price. You just can't – can't hard to beat. We'll definitely uh, talk K-State women here a little bit later on. Um, but we, we needed to get to the other part of the Iowa State game as, uh, again, K-State lost last week to Iowa State on the road in Hilton, 78-67, where K-State had multiple chances to take the lead. They fall short with about two minutes to go. It's a four-point game. Drum Tank picks up a, um, a technical foul. Um Really, the controversy is the whistles in the game. And um, especially, I mean, it really showed in the second half where I mean, you expect a few whistles to go the home team's way. The referees can get the hometown pop or whatever. Um, it felt like for a while there was getting a little bit out of hand. And um, and I hate to be – I never wanted to be the guy that's like, oh, it's the officials. They're the one that's screwing you over. Dang officials, they, they're getting it wrong. The refs don't know what they're doing. K-State lost because of the refs. Not necessarily. I mean, K-State had their chances for sure to go win that game and didn't get it done. But, man, I just thought it was a really rough night for the officials. The, I don't even know how to put this without trying to – without kind of freaking out in a way. But I just thought it was bad. It was really bad and good for Jerome Tang to not completely freak out. Yes, he got a technical foul. He was even asked about it in postgame, and he was pretty chill about it. I mean, it was a little bit different in the Houston game. I don't know. I'm sure if you're Jerome Tang, if you're that staff, and the way you felt the officiating was going, it had to be an extraordinary, frustrating night. Yeah, I guess what I would try to add to that is, is I think and this is just my personal opinion, okay? I felt like the game was just totally differently called from the first half to the second. I think everybody would recognize if you've watched the game or seen any of the replays or whatever that there were a couple of two or three calls that were just poor. No no other no other way to say it. And that of course in an environment like that where the game is so tight and tense, uh, you end up having emotions that are pretty high. And then, of course, you know now you get into the technical foul. Um, I still would like somebody to explain to me how you don't look at a play where a guy with an elbow hits a player in the mouth and you don't even try to look at it. Uh, so... Again, I'm just trying to, I'm not, I'm just saying what I'm saying, no more, no less. I think there were a handful of calls 
let's just let's give the benefit of the doubt and say maybe three calls that it's like seriously and then that level of frustration leads to the technical and then you know the the stuff you know behind the bench and hey in that kind of high level competition it's going to happen from time to time and ironically someone just called here. and asked about that sorry yeah well, everybody knows the fan at uh, Bramley's that wears a silver hard hat, and he he's the best heckler I've ever heard uh, because he always heckles the officials about calling it both ways. And I thought about him when I was watching that game because he would definitely be frustrated about that game because, you know, I, I did not see it as being called both ways. It also was just kind of going up and down on like what you said, how the game was being called. Early on, I was like, okay, they're touching, they're, they're calling all these touch fouls. You know, this actually might play in K-State's favor because Iowa State wants to play aggressive defense. Sure. They're good defensively, and so is K-State. I think that's that's the thing, too. But it does, I think, get to the, quote, under your skin kind of thing when you have people noticing that you have been called for a foul in a stretch 10 of 11 times, including eight straight. That doesn't even make any sense to me. I have a hard time with that. I forgot about that. Yeah, K-State picked up a foul on eight straight. And 10 of 11 possessions for Iowa State. On defensive possessions. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, with all that fouling, the the, the free throw shots are going to just continue to, you know, I mean, basically skyrocket. I mean, Iowa State took 39 free throws in that game, but – the phantom fouls. I mean, David Gasson, what had two of them where he didn't even touch the guy. There was one right before the tee on Jerome Tang where David Gasson didn't even touch the guy. He falls over, and here comes a whistle from Kelly Self. Like, what are we doing? The elbow was just egregious where you don't even go look at it. The, the problem, though, was Pollard, who's the official that probably should have called that right away, where Taman Lipsy just blatantly throws an elbow at Dorian Finister. Dorian Finister is bleeding, and we don't even go look at it. But what is Pollard doing? As the elbow took place, he's looking over at the crowd while the game is in play. And I talked about this on Friday, but I he is one of those officials that has too much focus on the crowd. I mean, don't even get me into, um, <laughs> oh, what's his face from the, the Houston game, Gary Maxwell. I mean, he threw a couple of K-State fans out last year in a game. And, um, but when the game is in play, like he's also known for like, okay, there's a timeout sometimes. And I've seen a number of officials do this where they'll take the basketball and like, oh, there's a kid in the front row. Let him hold the ball during the timeout. Like, hey, that's pretty neat for that kid. Right. He'll always remember that. But when the game is in play and there's people in the front row catching your attention to you look over while the game is in play and you completely miss a pretty important moment in the game and there's no call and you don't even go look at it. To me, that's absolutely unacceptable. I can't argue with that. I think it has to be looked at. Just simply stated, you you can't not look at it. End of story. Sad. And Jerome Tank was even asked about it afterwards and he he played it cool. You know, the Houston game was a little bit different. And I I can't really speak too much on the Houston game because I just wasn't able to watch it. I was calling a Manhattan basketball game at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, the whole Gary Maxwell thing where apparently he was saying some things to one of, uh, well, was it to Cam? Yes. And, and then basically saying Cam needs to stop talking or else he's going to kick him out or something like that. 
And then Cam ends up picking up two ticky foul, ticky tack fouls. Jerome Tang picks up another technical in back to back games, and he decided to call Jerry, uh, uh, Gary Maxwell out for it. Mm-hmm. And then earlier today, he ends up apologizing for it, which I don't know. I, I agreed with what coach had to say about accountability. And that was after the Houston game, where, I mean, everybody needs to be held accountable for their actions. Absolutely, but. I mean, that'll never happen for officials until they actually start, like, if there's ever press conferences or whatever, which I don't think will ever happen. So, Jerome Tang was apologizing for not going through the proper channels and going through the athletic department or the Big 12 about maybe filing a complaint or whatever, however that takes place. I get that, but, I mean, if I'm that, if I'm him, I'm that coaching staff. After these two games, so frustrating, just not only for the losses, but the way you felt like the games were called. In a nutshell, what he said at his press conference today, and he led off with the apology that there is a protocol that you follow when you're not happy with the officiating, and he didn't follow that. So the apology was to Brett Yormark, uh, to the supervisor, um, John Williams, uh, our university president, Gene Taylor, K-State fans, I think that was it, but said from this moment forward, I'm paraphrasing obviously, that you know I, I will follow the protocol, which is what I should have done on Saturday. But I do think um, that one got under his skin a little bit because he <laughs> was under the impression that Mr. Maxwell did say something to Cam about a couple of fouls, and it's just kind of kind of the way it played. And when you throw that smaller incident on top of what happened in Ames on Wednesday night, it made for you know a very interesting couple of ball games and lots to talk about after both. In and one that was a tight, tense rock fight, and one that was a blowout. And then there was other controversy. I know we, we probably can't get too much into it, um, but the whole uh, what what's being called by the media, uh, Spy Iowa State, Spy Iowa State Cyclones. I mean, I'm sure you noticed that one – I mean, it delayed the game for a while. I mean, Drum Tang went to the middle of the scores table to talk to T.J. Otzelberger, and then he gets pushed back uh, by an official. And then afterwards, Drum Tang very, uh, you know uh, – I don't know how to put it, but very animated. Yeah, animated with uh, T.J. Altsberger about, you know, he pointed behind the bench and was pointing at somebody. I don't know. Did you ever get wind of, like, what was going on in the moment? Well, I think they, you know, I guess what I would say is is I think there was some suspicions on K-State's part that there were people, you know, looking into K-State's huddle. um, And I don't think they liked it very much. Yeah, And he brought it up and – and it's just kind of here, – here's the bottom line to this. Regardless of which side you are on in this thing, the bottom line is, from my perspective, it's going to be a he said, she said thing. Yep. There's – I don't know that there's – I haven't really seen any anything that's going to say there's your proof or whatever, and that may or may not come to fruition or to the forefront – so what happens? It just kind of drifts away until the next one. 
and they are here in March. Now, what happens in March? I'm, I'm not trying to make anything crazy happen here. I'm just saying that's it, it's going to be over time. You know, these things, you know, settle down. But it, it was an odd one. It, it's just, it just was odd because, of, again, you go back to that. I've said it before. I'll say it again, that raw emotion of a tight game. It was tough, and you're a competitor, and you want to win, and, you know, things don't always go the way you want. But, I mean, we saw in the, in the Ravens game yesterday, you, you know, emotion is a big part of it. And sometimes it's all about how you handle it, too. Uh, it, the way it was handled, I mean, right out of the gate, Drum Tang was asked about it and he just said, hey, I, I've talked to TJ, we're going to handle it, and that's all he wants to say about it. Um, even Kellis would follow up about, hey, we saw you point in the stands, and once again, I, we talked to TJ, right. we're going to handle it. Um, well, and then, that, and that's, that's all good. Yeah. Things different, what, though. With, what I didn't understand is, is after they beat Kansas on Saturday, yeah, exactly. he leads off his presser with that yeah. when they were just going to keep it between themselves. In case that they, one made no no sense to me personally. Case that, that's just me. Yeah, still hasn't said anything public about it. Yeah. I mean, it, once again, brought up today, Jerome Tang said, no, TJ and I, we, we talked, we, we, we got it handled. Yeah. Um, I mean, TJ said after the Iowa State game, or the, uh, the Iowa State KU game Saturday, well, um, I mean, dressed it in the opening uh, comments of the post-game press conference um, and and said, I'm here to report the facts. And, the, and he brought up a fact that a K-State assistant cussed out a student manager. Well, once again, it's it's what you said, why it's – That he said, she said yeah, things. It's just, on both, on both – yeah. yeah, both there. I mean, because he said it, are we supposed to think that it's absolutely factual? Well, it's just I, like I don't know that I can go there. Yeah, honestly, it's like what can you prove? And right now, on both sides, it's kind of well. It, it's two things. That's, that's it. Extremely hard to prove. No yeah. doubt. That's it. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> again. I think this was kind of a. I don't know if "perfect storms" the right vernacular here, but you had such emotion going on. And l- let's be honest: if you go back and watch, and I, you know, I'm. I'm seeing T.J. Otzelberger as mad as I've ever seen him in that game, right? So he was absolutely as emotional as Jerome Tang without question in my mind. I'm just going to make that point because I I think that was – this was a high-level – and I'll use the term again. This was a rock fight. This was a battle. This was tough. And sometimes when you get – down and dirty like that, you know, things happen, and things happen here. Well, and here, here's the result that you're going to get from all that that took place in, in Hilton Coliseum. You're going to see a K-State fan base that remembers, sure that are. remembered what happened, yeah. and they're going to bring that energy to that game. And, yeah, and when March. we go up there yeah. next year, Iowa State will remember again too. Guarantee it. And maybe will there be a few cell phones up in what section three and four that uh, might be trying to record the uh, the huddles? I don't know. You know, I don't. We'll see where the imagination goes uh, when that game takes place uh, in a couple of months. All right, we need to take a break. When we come back, let's see. We've already moved things around. Um, let's take a look at last week in the Big Twelve. Um, you know, we mentioned KU Iowa State. What a game that was! But that was not the only extremely entertaining game from Saturday. I had a hunch that we'd have some good ones on Saturday. Why and I will discuss when we come back. Wildcat Insider. And looking back at the Big 12 uh, this past Saturday, a really, really solid Saturday. Of course, you know, K-State lost to Houston. That 
just ran it like as coach said earlier today ran into that buzzsaw uh for sure um houston is the best defensive team probably maybe in the country uh, at least statistically heading into that game they were i don't know how the numbers adjusted but i boy i mean he played two games against the two best defenses in the big 12 <laughs> that i agree that that is as hard as it's going to get in big 12 play k-state just got the hardest two game stretch out of the way meanwhile for ku Different story for what they have coming up on their schedule because KU right now is 4-3 and three in the Big 12, and they haven't even entered the toughest part of the schedule yet. What What's going on is they're winning at home and they're not winning on the road. Iowa State beat KU 79-75 at a packed Hilton Coliseum. It was a wide out. Man, you know, and we mentioned earlier in the hour, you know, Iowa State in their three-point shooting in Big 12 play hasn't been great. But holy cow, were they shooting lights out against KU. 14 of 30. They hit six straight to begin the second half. And what's even crazier is Trey King, who had not been a very good three-point shooter, was four of seven. I mean, honestly, it was so good it's probably a fluke. But you, you like that it came against KU, not K-State. Trey King going into our game. So two games ago, had been three of fourteen for three from three for twenty one percent. So he wasn't even shooting it that much. No, I just heard a percentage. I didn't know how how much it actually was when it came to actual shooting. <laughs> fourteen shots, making three, and now in this game, he goes four for seven and goes ballistic with twenty one points, made eight of sixteen shots overall. I, I'm not saying he's not a good player. But three-point shooting is not his expertise. He's more of a wing and, you know, a slasher and, you know, a cutter and dunker and those kind of things as opposed to a three-point shooter. But Saturday, he was a three-point shooter. Yeah, Ian Eagle and Bill Rafferty had a great one to call. Um, and that was a great second half where each team scored 49 points. I mean, oh, that's yeah. what you want when your team isn't playing. You want a crazy good high-scoring game, especially in the second half. And Iowa State able to pull it off. That's another thing, though. I mean – Iowa State was shooting just such lights-out three-point shooting in the second half. KU managed to keep in it. I mean, they were down 11, 12 points numerous times in that second half, and they got it within uh, three points at one time. You look at KU's shooting. They, they shot 45%. They beat Iowa State on the glass, although it was pretty close, 40-34. to 34. KU had 12 turnovers. Assisted 18 times on 27 made field goals. So it wasn't like they were you know just off. But but they just couldn't slow down Iowa State shooting the ball. The Cyclone shot forty six percent, and 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 as we said, the three pointers was the deal. They they were nine of fifteen from three in the second half. That's cr- you, that's crazy. The other really great game was uh, TCU Baylor. Um, the final score TCU won in Waco one hundred five to one hundred two. That was a three overtime game where TCU <laughs> hit a clutch bucket. With, uh, boy, that was just, what, roughly 10 seconds to go-ish. It was an offensive rebound and a two-pointer from the baseline that put TCU ahead, and they won the game. I know it was a three-overtime game, but Jameer Nelson had 30, and Emmanuel Miller had 21, and it still took three overtimes to beat Baylor. And and I was visiting today with, or yesterday, I guess it was, with Brian Estridge, the play-by-play voice at TCU, and I said, I'll be honest, I thought you were – you were dead twice. He goes, three times. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and, and I'm sure if you talk to the Baylor guys, you know, they, they probably thought, you know, the same kind of thing, that they, they had it won and didn't work out that way. Wild, wild, good game. 
Texas Tech holds on to first place in the Big 12 by stunning Oklahoma, who, you know, they just hosted. Well, who'd they just host before? I can't remember who they just hosted. Texas. They, Texas, that's right. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma won, wins that game, and then they lose by one to Texas Tech thanks to a Chance McMillan three-pointer that gave uh, Tech the lead for good with about a minute to go. Speaking of good shooting, Chance McMillan, who's basically a backup guard for them, but plays a ton. He played 30, almost 32 minutes. He has 27 points, 6 of 8 threes, 10 of 13 from the floor. He kept them in it, and then late, and this is my personal opinion, Tech was in the last minute and a half or so probably just a tiny bit tougher. Pop Isaacs made a really hard shot on a a one-on-two drive and made it, those kind of things. That's how you win on the road. Take a look at the Big 12 standings. Texas Tech in first at 5-1. and one. Tied for second is Houston and Iowa State at 5-2. and two. Uh, Meanwhile, tied for fourth place, you have a three-way tie. KU, TCU, and K-State. By the way, the K-State-KU game in Bramlage is a week from today. Yeah. Um, and then you have Baylor at 3-3. Three and three, And then second half of the Big 12 is BYU, Oklahoma, Texas 3-4, and four, Cincinnati, UCF, West Virginia, and Oklahoma State. We need to take our final hour, uh, final break of the first hour. We'll finish up the hour next on Wildcat Insider. All right, let's finish up our one of Wildcat Insider with, uh, wanted to mention the Kansas City Chiefs off to their fourth Super Bowl in five years. Listen, uh, you know, this is a big segment probably for tomorrow, but uh, Chiefs fans, you're now the dynasty. Yeah. yeah I, I think it's official now. Win or lose in the, in the Super Bowl, you're, uh, you're officially a dynasty. And for those who are tired of the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, he's 28 years old. <laughs> got, a, got a ways to go. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, God willing, knock on wood. But what makes it significant, of course, to our show, and as we talk not only cats but Big 12 stuff as well, we have now a Big 12. I exhale loudly on purpose uh, because Brock Purdy – is the opposing quarterback. Not the first to say this, but selling his soul to the devil or you know, selling his guts to Marie Laveau, I don't know what he did to turn from Mr. Irrelevant to Mr. NFC. But, I mean, respect, respect is due, where respect is due, but I don't want Brock Purdy winning a Super Bowl. <laughs> well, you may have to sweat it out a little bit. The kid's a pretty darn good football player. He's got a little bit of moxie and toughness to him, as we saw yesterday when he had to make some plays and couldn't with his arm. He did with his or yeah, did with his legs, and, and he's got a lot of really good football players around him. That always helps, and I think he'd be the first to admit that. But yeah, Big 12 Super Bowl with quarterbacks. How about that? But tip of the cap to the Chiefs and that Chiefs defense, Ooh. those three turnovers. I mean, Lamar Jackson, you know, throwing that interception that uh, the ball that goes through the end zone on the on the the fumble forced right at the goal line. Incredible play that was. And shout out to Travis Kelsey. He is having himself quite the playoffs. People are starting to count him out. He's getting old. He's about to retire. And he's still the best. Hour two Wildcat Insider is next. <laughs> 